I am slowly getting better at this podcasting shit, but it's taking its bloody time. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Brain Dump. This is a podcast where we talk about life from the meaningful to the Cool. Um, how does it feel now to be officially the first person to come back on the show? It feels uh, feels quite. Uh, I feel quite honoured actually. Yeah, Thanks, Connor. Thanks for, for having so, me back. So today we're going to explore mental health. Now I think both of us are pretty fucked up. Let's let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> what an opener. Um, so yeah, uh, but we're both fucked up in very different ways. Um, you're well, I'm sort of the depression side of things, and you have anxiety covered. So together, <laughs> <laughs> like the worst superheroes ever. Yeah, I am um, Doctor Depression. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to make you miserable. <laughs> oh, that's uh. life. So, yeah, I think you've very much changed significantly in the last like two months it's hard to describe like it's almost like a bit of an awakening in the sense that i think you've realized you've been trapped with anxiety for quite a while and i don't know i feel like you've always managed it but now you're actually doing something about it yeah i agree so um just to give people a bit of background because you obviously know the whole shite backstory to everything um but uh i was diagnosed with anxiety when i was about 18 um i had just um fled the nest and gone to uni i started at nottingham and i had what i thought at the time was like a nervous breakdown um and uh was really really struggling with everything basically um couldn't sleep um was very physically anxious i had all the physical symptoms of anxiety um and yeah had all of these thoughts running through my head a million miles an hour had no idea what was wrong with me um and so i went across to the doctors and had a little cry on a nurse um, <laughs> who told me, uh, don't worry, you've just got generalised anxiety disorder. So I basically had the label stuck to me since then. Um, and that feels like it was ages ago now, which it was. Um, but I feel like since then, I was like, you know what? I know what I've got. I know how to cope with it. Um, I feel like I'm very aware of my mental health in comparison to a lot of people. Um, so I just thought that I would basically always be on top of it now um, and realised um, at the end of last year, around October time, um, that I was not on top of it, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is when I came running to you. <laughs> yeah, we had a good chat in the Boston Tea Party. We did indeed um so so yeah so i graduated um about a year and a half ago now um and i moved to london in august last year uh started a uh big corporate law job which i always knew i wasn't really going to enjoy but um kind of just wanted the qualification 
um, wanted to live the London life as many fresh graduates do. Um, and it didn't go to plan. Um, I hated it much more than I thought I would. I was in the wrong environment. Um, and my relationship at the time broke down um, and a number of other factors and it kind of all came together what felt like at the same time um, and just kind of sent me spiraling um, and not me sideways so yeah so I thought I was on top of of my mental health and I really really wasn't yeah and it it, it, it very much as you said like came together in this burning fire that like you were kind of struggling but it was always under wraps like it never took control of your life it was always there like as a part of you but I think in in those months you very much crushed and burned and I think that was when you know anxiety started leading your life and depression was like taking over as opposed to the ash that we know that was leading this this life of yours yeah um yeah it's interesting you say that I think I've always had like that underlying anxiety which comes out in bad times um but I'm a like super busy person I keep myself occupied all the time um on purpose as well I dread being alone I dread periods of doing nothing I dread lazy Sundays um I I need to be busy all the time because those gaps when I'm not are when my anxiety kind of creeps up on me again um so I think I've never really been on top of it I've just always like stuck a plaster over it and, and said I'll deal with that later um but all of the the shit that happened to me in uh, October time last year meant that I couldn't ignore that anymore and I those shitty coping mechanisms of going for a run or watching Gavin and Stacey or anything like that um, no longer sort of did it for me um, and I realised I had to have a big sort of overhaul and really get to the bottom of what was what has been going on in my brain for 25 yeah. years it's interesting because I always find that I I was very, very similar in the sense that, I mean, I always had negative thinking. I always had self-doubt and really, really self, low self-worth. Um, but I like, like you, I used distraction and keeping myself busy and like lots of training things as like a way of gaining temporary self-worth and temporary, dis- you know, relief from my own thoughts um and then i had my own like meltdown and i think looking back on it it's kind of a bit of a blessing in disguise like it was a big slap across the face when i crashed and burned and it very much was like i can't live in a world where it is just staying afloat I don't want to stay afloat anymore. I want to learn to swim. You know, like yeah. I want to actually have my life where I can feel a lot more content with it, not just, you know, stay on top of it. I want to actually fix it. Um, and yeah, and it's a difficult 
difficult process because you don't really know where to start. Mm-hmm. And I remember with you, I'm, I say I remember like it was like years ago. <laughs> it literally <laughs> wasn't that long ago, but like you've done. Like, I'm still cr- fucked up, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's the thing is we we all are still pretty fucked. Mm-hmm. It's just we understand that fucked a bit better. Like is we can understand there's aspects of us that aren't right um and it's very hard to describe to people because it's all in your own little world um but yeah i think by reading lots of different opinions and interacting with lots of different people i've definitely gained a lot more of a different perspective and idea of you know how it works and things yeah um I think it was interesting what you said about kind of doing things to gain a little bit of self-worth. So constantly seeking some sort of validation, like all your time needs to, you need to feel like you're doing something worthwhile with your time constantly or prove yourself to something or someone. um, And that pressure is exhausting like waking up and feeling like you've got to make the most of every single second of every single day um and I'm completely hypocritical when I'm saying this because I still feel the need to do it but at least I'm aware of it now um and unlike you I never thought I had low self-worth I thought that I um I don't know I thought you know I I kind of valued myself um but I think uh going to therapy recently has really made me realize that I uh, really, really don't because I've always had external validation. So like I do sports like you, I do sports that I'm good at because it makes you feel good. Um, I do, I do well in academic stuff, which is why I do it. Um, I, I hang around with people that like me because, you know, I get validation from them. Um, I think like, relationships are a big form of validation because it's someone there with you the whole time who's like kind of validating what you're doing um and it's a big thumbs up and and I've always had that um and then I think for me when the career I was doing wasn't wasn't going right when my relationship broke down I say broke down she broke up with me so that felt like a huge like almost like a criticism and like the opposite of validation it was like actually no you're not good enough um and like I take criticism really badly and I've realized that's that's why it is is because I I solely rely on external validation and that's why I can't sit by myself with my own thoughts because there's nothing there validating it there's nothing there telling me like you're okay you're good you're good enough um and I need And it's not right. And, you know, I'm working on changing this, but at least I'm aware of it now is that I need this external source of someone saying like. You're doing okay, or like you're enough. Um, And that isn't sustainable to rely on other people all the time for your own source of happiness, because, you know, sometimes those people won't be there, the people that you want them to be. Sometimes you are going to be shit at a sport. Sometimes your career is not going to go right. And if that's going to knock you sideways every single time that happens, that's just not a sustainable way of living. No, I completely agree. And I think in a lot of senses, 
we're quite similar in that regard where we for me it was never about validation from other people but i guess it is in a way but for me it was like to know that i was good but that benchmark of good was against other people it was like i must be happy and have self-confidence because i can beat a lot of people in kickboxing and therefore i'm above average and therefore you know that's a that's a good thing you know and i realized that that's a a form of comparison in itself and like you the minute i'm on my own and that's why this damaged shoulder is so dangerous is not because of the actual wound and the damage my shoulder's going through but because i'm therefore spending so much time on my own and i find that like mental health isn't necessarily there's something wrong with you it's like how you respond to that so when you have your coping mechanisms are taken from you um i just start to hate myself and i start that self-loathing is extreme and that negative thinking is very much the depression where you know i think there's a lot of labels but people label like anxiety is more about overthinking stressing about other things when you haven't got your distractions so it's like a different response to the same symptom which is not being able to cope with yourself um and yeah like like you were saying about how those distractions get ripped from under your feet for whatever reason or it all the depression or anxiety like gets a lot more powerful for some reason it's it it was a bit of an awakening for me to go distractions are no longer you know they're they're not doing the job it's as you say plasters on top of gaping big holes in your body um and so i think i'm i'm a bit grateful for that like i'm grateful that i realize now that you know i'm vulnerable and things that i was doing before aren't good enough um but whereas before i wasn't i wasn't aware of that i did those things because i knew they kept me better and i knew i was in a bad place if it if I didn't have those things. But I realise now that actually a much larger change is needed in order to do better. And like and like you said, it doesn't really go away. Like I just now I'm aware of that. Yeah. Um so when I first went to therapy, um, when I was eighteen, nineteen, I went to a hypnotherapist, which works um quite similarly to a cognitive behavioral therapist um which might be completely random terms to you i'm not sure but um so uh it basically tries to change your thought patterns and responses to certain like stimuli basically um and my therapist explained to me which has been one of the most like helpful things that's ever been explained to me um the way that the uh caveman part of the brain works i don't know the technical term but um basically we all have it and we're all prone to um either fight which is anger issues flight uh which is anxiety or hide which is depression um and previously when we needed that part of our brain uh, and sometimes we still do um but previously it would be like there's a saber-toothed tiger outside of my cave like what do I do? What's my auto response? 
for me being more prone to anxiety um it would be like fucking get the fuck out of there like you know run um well obviously it depends on the situation but like for you you're more prone to depression so it'd be more like i need to hide from this you know i need to hide from this problem um eventually saber-tooth tiger goes away all of those hormones that we've like fired out into our body um they clear out and then the problem's gone um and we're we're alive and our body's done the right thing our brain's done the right thing we don't really have like life-threatening situations every day anymore we don't have saber-toothed tigers um thank god but we have like thoughts now so we have a thought that um so for me when i was younger it was like this horrible thought that i was going to die one day and i it's really hard to describe but i mean i can say it now like fine but it used to be this horrible like like horrible horrible deep feeling of like oh my god I'm going to die like it was a huge realization it was like horrific and I'd have this auto response of anxiety and I'd get like um anyone who's had like a panic panic attack before will like know what it feels like or anyone who's walked down the stairs and missed a step like it's like that feeling but constantly it's like like your gut is like being wrenched you sweat loads you can like hear your heartbeat in your like eyes <laughs> it's like the most it's like the worst feeling ever and it's like that continued and you're like oh my god I'm gonna die like this horrible thought and then you spiral your brain goes 100 miles an hour um and then eventually it passes um because you get distracted so that's why that was my coping mechanism is because you know you think about something else and then it goes um and then the thought is obviously going to creep back again because it's there in your subconscious. And your brain thinks, how did I survive that last time? I freaked the fuck out. So it freaks the fuck out again. And then you survive that thought again. So then that kind of embeds it in your brain that that's how you survive those thoughts is by panicking. And it would be the same with you where you feel like I'm not good enough or something like that. And you feel like really, really low really you know all of the the symptoms that come with depression and then that embeds it every single time you rehab like you have that thought again and it's like a recurring thought pattern um so those kind of therapies like hypnotherapy and cbt and that kind of thing they are designed to rewire your brain so you have to and it's super tough but you have to actively like step in and stop that thought pattern from happening and basically like deconstruct those synapses um so it's really like it's actually quite scientific which i quite like because it's like our brain's kind of doing the like what it should be <laughs> if we were cavemen mm, but we're no, not yeah. anymore it's funny um when i was on the high performance squad we had a uh, sports psychologist and she worked really really closely with um the gb cyclists like chris hoy and victoria Panelton and stuff like that um and they had the chimp paradox, uh, which is basically the same thing, just different analogies. Like, but they described your the emotional part of your brain, that fight or flight instinct, as being the chimp. So, when you get frustrated, it's the chimp acting up. Like, if you you know, and you've got to learn your desires and your you know values and things. So, for example, if you're an athlete and you get really nervous for a fight or you know not necessarily fight if you're not a kickboxer but like you know like a, you know, like a t football match or something yeah. for example and you get really nervous 
and it's basically your chimp your emotions freaking out about you know going to war or you know being socially judged or whatever it is and you have to learn that actually you can there are different methods to deal with your chimp in that way you can use distraction you can you know almost address the chimp and you know rationalize it so like yeah i'm really nervous because of this football match but actually i'm gonna go home and go to bed and just you know it's gonna be fine because i love you know lying in bed with my girlfriend and we can just you know that's a safe place like whatever happens i've got that to go back to so you can sort of convince your chimp that it'll be okay whatever happens um unfortunately i had like a silverback gorilla <laughs> that was my <laughs> chimp and it was just like you know just overpowered me yeah um of and it was you know like yeah i i sort of got told this at part of my my worst time um but i was still like yeah, but I just hate myself. Like, yeah. it doesn't change the fact that... But I think it was because I was so... It, my gorilla or chimp was so in charge of my thinking patterns that whatever that side of my brain said, I believed. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when, um, like, you were talking about the CBT and, and, and patterns. Like, at my worst, I was isolating myself because I hated, you know... I felt so lonely and like I just didn't want to see people because I wasn't deserved of friends. And then I would get really, really angry at myself, like super angry. And so I'd self-harm to take that anger out on myself because I hated myself. And then you get a rush of endorphins because you've cut yourself and you feel really, really good because, you know, physical pain is much easier to deal with than emotional pain. And then that just instills that pattern of, oh, I hate myself. What did I do last time? Self-harmed. Oh, yeah, let's do that. And like you were saying about um, CBT and the chimp paradox theories, all really, really ingrained. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these theories just explain the same way in different methodologies. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, that, that idea of a chimp's interesting because... Um, I I basically ended up with depression after um after sort of my breakdown in October. Um I had been suffering with anxiety for so long and my sleep was just like awful. It like it makes me upset thinking about it because I was I was just not sleeping at all. I don't know how it was physically possible, but like I went a week where I fell asleep for 20 minutes out of exhaustion and woke up like screaming and in tears and called for my housemate to come and look after me because like I was just an absolute wreck and feeling like that for months like will lead to depression because you're like what what is the point of being alive if I feel like that um like all the time um and then I've never really experienced depression before. So for me, it was a really unfamiliar feeling. Um, like anxiety, I felt like I could deal with. And that was like, I've, I kind of define myself by it now, which might not be a good thing. But, you know, it was part of me that I, I know how to deal with. Whereas this whole new like realm of depression was like, what the fuck do I do with this? Um, and And it was a mismatch of both where it was like I'd feel super super depressed and I think what's the point of being alive and then I'd have like a panic attack on top of it and then I think there's only one way to stop that like you know like die like there's you know and it was 
it wasn't sort of like I don't know I feel like it's maybe a different form of depression than you experience which seems weird that there can be like more than one form of it but um bringing it back to the chimp thing something that really really helped me is um um I have a I have a meditation coach and she told me to write to your mental illness as if it was something separate um and it was almost like a parasite in your brain that's that's not welcome and it's not you that's coming up with these thoughts of like I want to die or life's not worth living anymore because um you know I felt at that time I couldn't remember what it felt like to be happy I felt like I had never been happy I've always felt like this I'm always going to feel like this there is no way out and those thoughts aren't true but when people are telling you those thoughts aren't true like you just you don't believe them because you know you're you're right in that and um and I think writing this letter I remember it was like 2am I like stuck on some classical music or something like turned off my phone I was already in floods of tears anyway because I was just crying constantly at that point um and I just picked up a pen and I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And I've actually got the letter in this little shitty notebook I've got in front of me. Um, but I just wrote for hours and I cried so hard. And I wrote like some things that I didn't even realize I had been thinking and just getting it out into an organized format and having it down on paper and being able to look at that and think holy shit that's what's been going on in my brain for the last few months like no wonder I feel like that um it was like purge it was like an emotional purge and and it helped so much separating um the mental illness from my own brain and thinking it's not me that's coming up with those things it's it's like this unwelcome parasite um because there's there's only so many times someone else can tell you like it's not you it's not you you know it's it's the mental illness but you don't believe them until you you know until oh, you yeah. write it down I completely agree like um it's interesting what you're saying about how anxiety was like familiar to you and so you could deal with that but depression was like a whole new, another beast and this letter that you wrote was something you'd never done before so it was completely unfamiliar and it was like as a result, triggered a whole new way of dealing with, you know, everything encompassed. And so it really allowed you to to rethink everything. And I think that could have been one of the the best things you, d- you did at the time because I feel like um, when, I, when I tried to take my life and uh, I crashed my car, and a lot of you, I hadn't slept for fucking weeks and, like, I'd done loads of working and i crashed my car and when i crashed the car it was like physical evidence of how bad things had got mm-hmm. it was kind of like i would have never have done that you know it was it was so surreal that i was like this destroyed car is like i'm not that that kind of person and like your letter is like i would never say these things to anyone or you know be poisonous toxic things that have been making me feel this way aren't me because and then you have like a physical piece of paper and uh i find that so so powerful like i literally think like 
the way I now the way I look at mental health and all that is like everyone's story is different. Everyone has you know their own like it's all relative that that person. But I kind of feel like my depression from that moment went from a parasite that lived inside me to a parasite that lives in a little backpack that I can put down from time to time. You know, yeah. like I have a little more control, and that breathing space has just been. F- monumental for how better i much yeah definitely um and i think one of the things that came from like the letter and i think something that you've explained it as before with when it comes to sort of mental health issues and depression in particular is it feels like you're at the bottom of a well and like for me i found it so difficult because i was so open with my feelings I'm not one of those people that bottles it up and that's why it got worse. Like I tell everyone everything because I want it out of my brain. Um, But it felt like no one understood still. Like I can, I could say to people like, I want to die. I feel the worst I've ever felt in my life. I don't see the point in living anymore. Um, And my friends bless them. Like I can only imagine what that, like how to, I don't know like how do you deal with that like one of your best friends telling you that and I feel really awful for it but like there's nothing they can say to make you feel better in that moment and 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 it just feels like you're at the bottom of this well you've got all these people at the very top um who can't reach you and they'll and it feels like they'll never be able to reach you and and you can't explain it to them um but I explained this to my friend once and I was like, I just feel like it's pointless. Like me explaining it to people and, and talking to people about it is just pointless because I'm aware of it and I, and I feel like I know loads of coping mechanisms and nothing's working and, and you know, and she was like, Ash, we will stand by this well and like, we won't leave until you're out and like, we're going to be throwing ropes down. And, like just using like this shitty analogy just made me feel so much better and like, I think it's so hard to describe mental health without using analogies because I get yeah I guess it's different for everyone but like it's it's so hard to pinpoint and to explain to people how you're feeling that it it keeps this barrier up between you and other people 100% couldn't I couldn't agree with that more like I it's interesting how like that's why I always say you can't walk the path for someone you have to walk it with them because it's like that well analogy. I, there was nothing I could do to make you climb up the well. You, you have to do that yourself. But I will climb next to you the whole way. Like That's what incredible friends do. But it's, the same thing applies to everything. For example, when you love someone or someone loves you, you it's impossible for that person to truly love you if you think about it, because they will never know exactly how you feel or exactly how you think. So they'll never know who and how to love you. Like, but that doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, they're willing to and they want to. Mm -hmm. That speaks louder than anything ever. You know, you're never going to get square peg into a round hole, but you don't need to. And I think with depression and anxiety and people will 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 never understand and it is purely your own thoughts and feelings like 
I will never experience what you did and you will never experience what I've done. Like that's that's the nature of mental health. And I think those are the the pillars that mental health builds its strength behind is it it can stay strong so long as you believe that you're alone and mm-hmm. so long as you believe that this mental health is purely just you and no one really cares because that's what it, it harbors. But when you realize that actually that doesn't matter anyway, like just because I'm different to you doesn't actually make a difference. Just because I don't understand what you're going through is I still really, really care, you know? And that's for me, I was like, you know, like it, one, it was more on the road to recovery when I that kind of realized that I was like, oh man, like there's, I've had some incredible people stand by me through horrendous times, probably having no idea what I'm going through and if anything just being a massive burden to them but they're still there anyway mm-hmm. and I think I think that's the 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 real like crux of it is actually you won't understand it is we need analogies to describe things because it's a it's a feeling that there aren't words it, it there is just you know it's it's just impossible to describe how awful it can be yeah but at the same time, there's no point wasting effort in trying to do that. There's no point communicating it. If someone says they're having a shit time, you know, help them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's two strands to this as well. So I think when you're like absolutely at your lowest and, and you're in it, you need help and even though I felt like I was asking for help, I wasn't asking for the right help. So um, at the time, um, my, so my girlfriend at the time, I relied on her so much. And I like, it must've been really awful for her because like having someone constantly call you up and and tell you that they feel like shit and, and there's nothing you feel like you can do to help them, like must be super tiring. Um, and I overly relied on that source. Um, and I think the breakup was a good thing because it made me realise that I can't always rely on that, like, one person. Um, so you need to rely on, like, the right people and and accept that you can't solve this problem yourself. Like, this is bigger than you. Um, and you've tried to solve this problem yourself. Like, Russell Brand says this, isn't he? Like, you've tried to unfuck yourself like your whole life and it hasn't worked so like you need to accept that you're not going to be able to do this alone so you need to look for like wider sources and whether that is for you like friends or family or a therapist or a doctor or online sources or podcasts or whatever it is you need to look beyond yourself to like get that guidance um and for me like you were like like my rock during you know what when I felt like my absolute worst I remember we went to Boston Tea Party and we like had a big chat and and that helped me so much um and I think just having those like lifelines was just was life-saving for me um equally I think when you're sort of in a better place to avoid that happening again you also need to rely on yourself and learn to like really fucking love yourself because for me I don't I'm I think it's for you as well and I think for most people that experience mental health problems it all comes down to the fact that you don't fucking love yourself 
you know, and you're not a strong enough rock for yourself. So for me at the moment, coming out of those shit few months, I'm now working like super hard on making sure that I'm my own sense of validation. Um, And it's so much easier said than done. But like, that's my new, you know, process. Yeah, yeah. And it is so interesting because I, I, again, it's you've, I feel like you've come to this sort of realization way sooner than I did. Like, I mean, I'm only really coming around to it now. Like, I, I very much was like, had this really awful time in my life, got a lot better, feel a lot better. Now things are going very much south again. And I'm like fully aware that things are going bad because of my shoulder and the amount of time I'm, you know, worrying and feeling down. But I, my relationship with myself hasn't really changed throughout that. Like I've changed different coping mechanisms that are working really well. But the relationship with myself is something that you've very much taught me because um, you introduced me to uh, Russell Brand's recovery book. And after reading that, like I'd read a lot of uh, Osho and uh, Eckhart Tolle and uh, Alan Watts, and they're all really like, they philosophize a lot of, you know, spirituality kind of things. But Russell Brown very much put it into a method and very much in a practical modern way in very much layman's terms that I was like, shit me, this is something I've neglected. This is something like that you really, really woke me up to. Um, and so that, that, as you say, it's fucking hard. Like, yeah. it's literally, I always say, like, you know, I've won gold medals at world kickboxing, like, fights and stuff. And this, your relationship with yourself and is just the single hardest thing I think we'll ever go through. And yeah. partly why I love conversing with people and discovering what makes them tick and their motivations for life and how they differ from me and the whole point of this podcast is to explore what it means to be human and just fart it out all over <laughs> the internet <laughs> and I feel like that's literally you know yeah that's this um yeah Russell Brand uses this uh this analogy again of um a witness so he describes the fact that um so throughout our lives there's all of this external shit happening so you know you go through school you might have a shit time at school you might have a great time at school you go through um maybe university if you're lucky enough to go or you know going to a job you have loads of different relationships your family relationships are different you might move country you might take up a new sport you know there's all of these external things going on but within us, there's like one witness watching that happen throughout our whole lives. And and that's like, he describes it as like our essential self. And before listening to, to Russell Brown and reading loads of his books and, and starting to meditate and that kind of thing, basically before my massive breakdown last year, I was like super anti-religious and I still am anti-organized religion, but like now I would maybe describe myself as spiritual in that I think there is this like essential self like there is an essential Ash there is an essential Connor that like 
has been there the whole time watching all of this happen and we've basically just piled shit on top of it and and not nurtured it and we nurture other people like you both of us I would say we're quite like nurturing people to other people we put a hundred percent into our friends into our relationships um into like everything we do but we don't really do that to ourselves you know we beat ourselves up for not going for a run at 6am or um you know not being the best that we should be like random criteria that we put on ourselves and whereas we're so nurturing to other people like you know we give them like I don't know like we put so much effort into other people and if we put that into ourselves I think that would change a lot it's not easy and it is difficult and I and I think when you when you describe it as like a witness or this this thing that you carry around with you which ultimately is yourself like but the label you give yourself is so interchangeable with who you meet what you're doing at the time that you never see it as like this core you know i don't know i'd I'd describe myself the same as you as in i'm not religious in fact i fucking hate religion i think you know it's so corrupt in many aspects but now more than ever i'm like full-heartedly into spirituality and because i feel like it's it's a religion of the self in a way it's like a that you know the term god is actually much more about the god is that thing that witness that whatever is actually you without a label Mm -hmm. is 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 what you try to nurture as you say like not worship but like definitely give some gratitude towards because we all have that and i think we've neglected that quite a lot um and as you say pouring shit on top of it just separates that from you like that god or that witness is so far removed that all the crap in between you and it is very much what's causing is poisoning you and causing you to have this mental health response yeah what do you think it is is that has led to this do you think it's like a a conditioning or is it like a society thing that we feel like as i look at eastern cultures and they're a lot more in tune with it than we are in the west and i don't know whether that's because of modern developments and there's more stuff to stick in between between us and our real selves or i don't know i have no idea what that is yeah um it's it's hard to pin that down because I think there's loads of different factors. So there's the idea of, um, you know, like social media and and um, just like the instantaneous nature of life now. Like everything is instant. Everything's on demand, um, which puts more pressure on us. And like now our generation, we're like super lucky in that we can just fuck off and go traveling if we want um generally not everyone can but like you know we can um we can go off and get these like big careers and and we can move to wherever we want to generally um and there's it almost puts more pressure on you to be doing that like we always feel like oh our friends are traveling we should be doing that or our friends are earning like a stupid amount of money we should be doing that you know it's it's like there's always pressure to be 
more even if it's not something you necessarily want Mm. so i i fell into that trap with the corporate law thing is like that is anti me that is everything that i'm really against but like i fell into this trap of like oh it'll make my parents proud it will look good on my cv it gives me a stable like income and in reality like those things aren't that important like it didn't make me happy and that's what tore me apart um and yeah so i think there's lots of external pressure um it's funny you say that because i feel like i i like i'm kind of realizing that myself a bit where i look at a lot of the things i used to do and a lot of the things that i i thought i defined myself by but if i really questioned them i was like i'm not sure if i enjoy this a hundred percent like is a lot of the reason i'm doing this because of the perks you know as it were like kickboxing for example i do generally love kickboxing but it got to a point where i was competing and and trying to push my performance as hard as i could because of the like the scholarship i was getting the the validation the sort of ego of being like a hard man and i was like i don't care about any of that like literally like i i initially got into kickboxing in the first place because i bloody love you know the sport um but it started not to be my choice anymore it was it was like doing it for the for the reasons beyond why i want it and so now whenever i start something i really have to question am i doing this because i genuinely love it genuinely enjoy it this podcast example Mm -hmm. where it's a little project i'm doing i'm really enjoying it at the moment but i worry that if this becomes like a identity thing or connor he's the guy who runs a podcast if that becomes a part of my identity or I start to get validation from it other than the fact that I enjoy it, that's when I think a bit of toxicity creeps in and I really have to question all aspects of my life to go, am I doing this because of I actually want to do it or because there's some other external force that's influencing my behaviour in this way? Yeah, um, I also think you need to realize how good that is that like you're so young in the scheme of things and you're already like questioning those things um and rather than beating yourself up for it like i think that kind of level of self-awareness is amazing and you know there's people that go through life and and fall into the trap of working like x job because they think it looks good and getting married to x person because it looks good and you know and having this like what hitting all the milestones that we are told that we should hit in life and they get to like 50 60 years old and realize like i have not been happy my entire life you know and like imagine reaching that point which like i'm not saying you can't be saved if you reach that point but <laughs> go and get therapy You're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like like we're in a way uh it's hard to phrase it like this but um but like w- we should be grateful for being fucked up so young because I would say that we're both very, very self-aware now and and I think that can only be a good thing. 
Oh yeah, and I think we've learned a lot through each other. Like I feel like you 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 know say that you've learned so much from me, but I've actually learned so much from you. Um, and I think that's why having a really good friend who can understand you, maybe not completely, but quite close, is really really powerful. Um, and yes, I am a great, really really grateful for you know questioning my happiness as it were like making sure i'm doing it for the right reasons and that's why i often think about your corporate law sort of gig in uh, london where that must have been really hard to walk away from because you had this what most people would see as like an incredible life but you really questioned i is this making you happy i remember it's the same kickboxing like you know should i should be getting my third degree black belt this year um and i've you know i was thinking of setting my own club and all this blah blah blah. and now i'm like i need to re re-establish my relationship with the sport because i started chasing you know ego started chasing financial gain from it and i was like this is not why i did it in the first place you need to like re-establish relearn the whole core root of it um and it's like it's like you with your law like you had this you know you always had the same sort of reasons why you love law but they started getting warped along the way where you know high flying corporate uh, company and now you know you're working with it as a was it a paralegal and you're working for like helping the little guys and helping out you know you know smaller companies that that are trying to do good and things and i think that's much resonates with you much more than it does working for some fuck off massive company yeah a hundred percent and um i mean it's it's definitely been tough and i have to sit down and have conversations with myself where it's like like on paper i could have been earning like double the amount of money in london working for this like huge corporate law firm that would have looked really good on my cv um and had like a stable career for the rest of my life verse but i was fucking miserable (laughs) verse like what i'm doing now i'm working as a paralegal which is basically like the lawyer's bitch like bottom of the pile at um a consumer rights charity but like i love it so much more and i and i had got to the point where I thought I would never enjoy my job. Like, I just assumed that... I think that was the depression telling me that, like, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to be unhappy. But, like, my job now, I'm like, yeah, the salary is no way near as good at all. The job title doesn't sound that fancy. Like, who I'm working for might not sound as, like, good on my CV, but I am genuinely so much happier doing something that just hits home with me, like helping the little guy on like you know a 250 pound washing machine that they bought last week but for them like that's like their life and that's really important to them and i would much rather do that than help a fuck off like massive pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company like avoid tax you know it's like i mean if if you genuinely get joy out of that then fair play but (laughs) (laughs) i don't yeah Um, i mean it's it is interesting because like i feel like now that I'm in that stage, I'm leaving uni and I'm looking for jobs. It's almost like the moral conduct of whatever job or company I'm applying for actually matters to me more because I look at there's a lot of 
like jobs are like whoa starting salary is 30k and get a company car and i'm like they all feel like bribes to me yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what's the catch yeah like i don't like i look at a lot of friends and yeah fair play they seem to be living the dream and having a good time with high salaries and stuff but i'm like i couldn't do that i literally i'd rather be poor <laughs> and know that i actually having a really good time and it's as you say it's only been like the last year that i've come round to putting my happiness first mm. and it's a it's a jolly old process trying to work out how to do that but a vital one yeah it and there's two things there so i think with the money side of things it's interesting because you know you need money to live um unfortunately and um sort of automatically we think therefore more money means more happiness because like you know you have more freedom to do stuff but i think there's a certain base point of money where you can afford to pay your rent you can afford to pay your bills you can afford to pay for whoever you have to care for or anything like that and maybe have a bit of extra income for like nice things like a minimal amount but i think beyond that like it doesn't bring you happiness like the times that i've been my happiest is when i've been so skin it's been painful but like I made the best out of a bad situation or, you know, and I think I've been my happiest then. So I think like just remembering that when you're always trying to strive for more, um, yeah, is is a good way to sort of check yourself. Mm. Um, I think another thing that's really helped me in these last few months is um, another notebook I've got with me. Called... <laughs> just people don't know. She's got like a whole bookshelf behind yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> notebooks after notebooks <laughs> this is called uh project happy reasons oh. to stay alive written by myself in a shitty notebook um where basically at the end of every day i no matter how late it is i'll come home and i'll just like word vomit everything good that has happened that day everything positive um and when i was feeling my absolute lowest you know it would be like i'm grateful that i've got clean water and like that would feel like really um I don't know I didn't genuinely feel grateful for it at the time which is stupid because I should but like I was in so deep in that like depression and anxiety that I didn't really believe it but just writing it down gets it down on paper and um and then as I started feeling better you start noticing things throughout the day that like you're like oh I can write that down later like that oh that's a positive thing um and my meditation coach again explained this to me as some phenomenon i don't know what the name is but um it's it's similar to when you go out and buy a new car so say you go out and buy like a white suzuki and then when you drive around the road you suddenly start seeing white suzukis everywhere and you're like oh shit i never noticed that before or like you learn a new word and then you start hearing it everywhere and you're like, I swear no one in the world used that word before. And it's only just come into existence now. Like, what the hell's happening? And it's like this phenomenon where the the word or the car or whatever you're thinking of is at the forefront of your mind. So you're like almost projecting that on the world and you're like looking for it. It's the same with like this positivity thing where, or gratitude, I think is better. Like stuff you're grateful for. Um, you start looking for it throughout the day where you're like, even if you wake up and you're like, I am so fucking grateful that I slept because, you know, I never take sleep for granted now. Um, 
or you know I'm grateful for this cup of tea in the morning and you just take a minute to pause and like look outside and and it's it's so interesting that you can like manipulate your brain in that way but honestly for me my mindset has like changed 180 degrees and just like yeah it's it's hard to explain but there was a point like when I was in the depth of like depression where like you know I could have won the lottery and I wouldn't give a fuck I would like I would have been miserable I could have like anything positive could have happened to me and my mindset was just so negative that I wouldn't have cared whereas now like even the smallest stuff makes me grateful Um, and I mean I'm still not like 100% like fixed I've still got a lot of work to do but my mindset has changed so much and I think that's really helped yeah I remember because you bought me that coffee through Huck and told me to do the same thing yeah and I was feeling really really low that week I remember like thinking at the time going, fuck off <laughs> I, literally, I literally was like fucking ash bore me coming i'm gonna fucking write this list and i'm not grateful i'm not grateful about anything and then by, by the end of the list i was like oh, it fucking works doesn't it <laughs> and i and my problem is is i'm i'm like that got me out of a really dark place that day but i need to remember to do that every day like i and mental health is as much a preventative thing as it is or a maintenance thing as much as it is a, you know, on a bad day, you know, do it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm doing the whole meditation every day and I've got like a checklist where I make myself accountable and that stuff definitely, definitely, definitely helps. Like I literally, yeah, and I've signed up to the same uh, meditation coach as you. I was... E- Ailey. Yeah, Ailey. Yeah. Like, I looked at that, her Shout name. Out yeah, and I was literally like how do i say that <laughs> like i led at school oh, she's, really? <laughs> she's scottish oh uh, she's an absolute babe yeah. and yeah i'm doing her um 21 day course at the moment um but yeah it's it's incredible how little things can go such a long way yeah yeah and the thing is like we like you and me again we have so much in common <laughs> um <laughs> it's weird um but like we both take care of ourselves physically like by doing loads of tiny things like you know we'll put like a pint of like water in the fridge overnight and down it in the morning because it does something to do with your metabolism or like you know like pointless tiny shit like that like we'll do things like that to take care of our body and we like exercise stupid amounts we we stretch we um you know we eat really well we like generally avoid like alcohol and stuff because like we care about our physical bodies so much but like for years we ignored the same with our mental like health yeah and like how can you expect your mental health to be on top form if you're not looking after it um and it is like you say like all those tiny things like the equivalent of putting a pint glass in the fridge overnight and downing it in the morning you know like doing five minutes of meditation a day or like writing down some pointless list of like what you're grateful for and even doing it on shit days like when you don't want to do it and even on good days when you feel like you don't need to do it, like it's really important to do it still. Oh, hundred percent. Make yourself accountable. Like I remember when I wrote that list, I remember seeing that you'd written them, written them before, and put them on Instagram. And I was like, I'm gonna do that because if I'm accountable and other people have seen it, then I know that I am gonna like keep doing that. Or I like told myself 
I really can't be bothered or don't want to do it, but I'll do it and I'll post it because then I know that like it's like that good deed done for myself today. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, you got to worry. Oh, maybe it's external validation kind of thing. But I, th- I don't think it. I think it came from a good place for me. Um, but yeah, you're right. It it's meant like I generally believe like the the care I've taken for my physical health and like the nutrition and the training. I think if I didn't do that, I'd be significantly worse off with my mental health. But mental health, I've just never never treated, and you know, until recently. But do you know what I think that is for both of us is um is like a sense of control is that it's the same as like um it's not the same but it's similar to like anorexia and that kind of thing where um and OCD it come it kind of same stems from the same thing where you feel totally out of control of what's going on inside your head so you control everything externally that you could physically control so um you know i i i try and control everything I, i'm like super organized to the point where like it makes other people unhappy <laughs> and like i if i'm not at x place at x time that i said i would be and i even if i didn't tell anyone if i said if i told myself i'd be at the gym at 6am tomorrow morning and i wasn't there at 6am tomorrow morning i would be so like just irritable and angry and and had felt like I'd failed for the rest of the day. And it's like this weird external thing that I've, sorry, internal thing that I've just put on myself. Um, but it's like a sense of control. It's like, I can control that, so I'm going to do it. Whereas like the way I feel, I feel totally out of control of that. So it's like, yeah, it's trying to control aspects of your life that you feel like you can. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think for both of us, it's been like a coping mechanism, really. Um, yeah. But it's better it- than drugs. <laughs> Nothing's better than drugs. <laughs> Don't believe her. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it is, it is really, really fascinating, and I think, um, I think that's partly why we have so much in common is because we're kind of fucked in similar ways, and, <laughs> and I think, but like the way, and the way we've coped with it has been, you know, relatively similar in like exercise and stuff. Um, but I think it is important to to talk about these things and splurge these ideas everywhere because the more you expose yourself to different ways of thinking and different methods and writing down gratitude lists or meditating or reading this book or that book it just encourages you to rewire the way you think yeah like if you're constantly exposing yourself to new stimuli then you're always going to question everything and if you're doing that then in a way you you can only you take what's good and leave what's bad and that's definitely like what i'd encourage people who are going through a bit of a crisis to to do themselves i think it something you sent me as well that could be helpful for other people is the um the like mental health first aid thing of like what to do if you're feeling really suicidal because you know we can be saying like meditate and talk to friends and that kind of thing but when you're really in the depths of it and you think like i want to die then sometimes you just need like a practical list of like mm. you know and here's I, how to get you out of this situation yeah, but i I've, I've actually i think i've said this a few times but like there's a difference between uh wanting to die and not wanting to live mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of the times when we're going through like horrendous depression or anxiety or whatever 
you're like, I just want this to end. I want to die. And then it's more of an escapism from the, the what's going on at the time than it is like an actual desire to die. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can very much change someone's mentality about suicide. You know, right up until the last minute. If um, and the the creator of the safety plan or the meditation first uh, mental health first aid, Mike says this all the time is saying like people don't really want to die like it's not a it's just everything is going so badly at the time that it seems the only option mm-hmm. um i even think about it as like um when a fight's about to break out in a nightclub or something let's say you have two buff guys puffing their chests up something about to smash in each other's faces both of them won't both both of them don't really want to fight but they also don't want to look like a pussy in front of their mates. So they'll often have a huge shouting match, lots of pushing and shoving. It's about to escalate, and the bouncer will step in and break them up. And in both of their minds, they're like, thank fuck I didn't have to actually fight someone because I could have lost, I could have got hurt or whatever. But it's almost like for the validation of everyone else. Now, I feel like suicide or suicidal thoughts in a lot of cases, is like the depression egging you on. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the only option. This is what you got to do, what you got to do. But you need a bouncer or a friend or a therapist to step in and be like, whoa, this isn't the only option. There's like so many other outlets. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to explore them and discover what works for you. Uh, but you can easily convince yourself otherwise. And that is so, so dangerous. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, that's how I felt when I felt um I guess what was suicidal was um I remember really vividly um when I was driving down the motorway and I was like sobbing like so hard and I just I was like panicking so much and I just felt so awful and I just couldn't see any other option and I was like I've done everything I've like I do yoga, I meditate, I speak to my friends, I've like been to a therapist, I eat well, I, you know, I, I, I try and sleep as much as I can, even though I can't at the moment. And, and, and I was like, I felt like I'd run out of options. And I was like, there's, I'm going to feel like this forever. And I, I physically cannot feel like this forever. And I came, I was in the fast lane down the motorway and I came so close to turning my car into like the, like barriers. And, and instead I just punched myself in the face and it was like, <laughs> like, it was just the most bizarre moment where I was like, what? I was like, is this what being crazy feels like? Like, what the fuck? I just had to punch myself in the face so that I just didn't drive like 90 miles an hour into like a barrier. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, but it, it was just like, it was just like a panic of like, I can't feel like this anymore. What's the way to stop it? Mm. Like, and if I could, I would have physically gone into my brain and ripped out like that's how I felt like what I wanted to do and like yeah it's it's weird that I can speak about it now and like we were saying this earlier like it's like telling a narrative about someone else it's like telling a story but like that's how I felt Mm. and it's so it's like it's so hard to like that was my brain you know and like a few months later and thank fuck I don't feel like that anymore but like, if you told me that at the time, like, wait a few months, and you won't feel like that anymore, I wouldn't have believed you. No, I, I, I'm exactly the same. Like, it's, 
it's funny how I still have like relapses of like chronic depression and in those moments even though I'm much better the best probably I've ever been in my life in those moments you couldn't convince me you couldn't be like but Connor yesterday you were like having the time of your life I'm like yeah but that was just a phase wasn't it and yeah. like you know you sell all these these things like you don't really know what it's like to be me or you know like when someone be like oh you're really good at that I'm like you're just saying that because you want to you know you want something from me or you're being polite or you just so many ways to twist the negativity into that into that narrative but then when you realize that you're not your thoughts and you know is like if you believed everything you thought then you'd be no you'd literally be like an ant you just live day to day just really really negatively but when you question your own thoughts it kind of gives you a bit of a freedom that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have otherwise had yeah again which is why getting it down on paper i think is really mm. like a really useful activity because you can see that thought in front of you and you can like criticize that thought then you know yeah um yeah god this has got deep isn't it oh man yeah <laughs> I think we'll have to call it a day, otherwise, yeah. like, well, this will be a 24-hour-long podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, cheers, Ashley. Really, really appreciate it, as usual. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah. I felt like that was a bit of a therapy session. But... Yeah, no, it's good. I'm sure we'll do it again. Yeah, cool. <laughs> thanks for listening this time around. Um, I hope people are learning some things. I hope people are uh, discussing and uh, exploring new ideas um, because that's basically the whole point of Brain Dump. Um, If you'd like to come on the show and discuss an idea or talk about a topic of your choosing, then just hit me up on Instagram, uh, Twitter or Facebook. Uh, And also use the Brain Dump Facebook group. We're having a lot of good conversations on there, exploring new topics, new ideas. Uh, It's just a friendly place to explore cool shit, basically. All right, see you in the next one, guys. Cheers.